Welcome, everybody. This is the very first episode of a podcast that is yet to be named about Friday Night Lights, uh, the TV show, and everything surrounding that. So, uh, my name is Josh, and this is my co-host right here. I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, I'm Anthony. And we are excited to talk about all things Friday Night Lights all things Coach Taylor, all things Tim Riggins, all things uh, Jason Street. Not so much Jason Street, not my favorite character, but we're, we're going to get into it all. So uh, welcome to the very first episode. We are excited to, to have you with us. So uh, Anthony, why don't you just uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself so that people know who's talking at them. Oh boy. Um, well, my name is Anthony Hookman. I'm originally from Platt, South Dakota. I grew up with this uh, gentleman uh, across the screen from me. <laughs> uh, we've known each other for probably about 25 years now or so, which is pretty crazy. Now I live in Brookings, South Dakota, a great community into itself. Uh, big fan of Friday Night Lights from the jump. Uh, loved the movie when it came out. Read the book uh, some point in between the movie and the TV show, uh, when we were still in high school, uh, watched the TV show when it first came out and was hooked. And then I got you into it. <laughs> yes, you did. Thank you. And, uh, 12 years later, here we are <laughs> <laughs> still talking about it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my name is Josh. I currently live in Sioux Center, Iowa. Um, but like Anthony said, I grew up in the town of Platt, South Dakota, a uh, small, small town, much like Dillon, Texas. Um, Very much. I think we're going to find a lot of those parallels. Yep. Yep. For sure. We're going to, we're going to dig into that specifically. Uh, but yeah, I, I live here in Iowa now. I, I work at a college as a director of worship. So uh, yeah, I get to work with college students and, uh, I have a family here. I got, I got three little young ones all under four years and under. Um, so, and a wife who really is mad at me because I've started watching, rewatching Friday Night Lights without her, even though she's been begging for a rewatch for five years. <laughs> so savage move. Yeah. Yeah. No, so we'll, we'll, we'll get her in on it. Maybe get a few Lindsay takes as well. She has opinions for sure. So. Uh, and I actually, uh, my girlfriend, Angie, she, I've been begging her for, uh, to do a rewatch with me for years. And she actually did watch the pilot episode with me and hopefully will oh. stick with me as we do this rewatch. If only because one episode a week, you know, if yeah. that's what we stick to, or even a little, even if it goes a little bit more than that is easy enough of a schedule to, to stick to. So I think we, Perfect. we may get some, some Angie takes, uh, yeah, some a first, a uh, first timer. First time yeah. to take will be excellent, excellent perspective. So, yeah, my history with Friday Night Lights is, like uh, Anthony said, getting introduced to to the show in Anthony's basement, uh, watching with a couple guys then. Um, and then really about anybody who would tolerate it, I can would convince to watch Friday Night Lights with me. So, yeah, the first three seasons, I probably watched five to seven times each, just uh, introducing it to people. And then, yeah, was was a big part of the the very beginning of Lindsay and my relationship. We, we did a Friday Night Lights watch when we were just kind of dating. And I, I feel like Friday Night Lights really could be credited with, with where I'm at today as a family <laughs> man. So <laughs> kind of a big deal. You went from a you you turned from a Tim Riggins into a Coach Taylor uh, <laughs> before my eyes. 
I, I'm good with that. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Uh, oh, that yeah. I, I I have a dog named Riggins after after Tim Riggins. We've been we've been uh, hanging out for the last ten years together. He's he's getting kind of old, but yeah. So that's that's us. That's our history with Friday Night Lights. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. I think we'll just start with a little bit of uh, history and background of Friday Night Lights, um, which is all based on a book, right? Like that's where where it all started. And Anthony has it right there in his hand, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. yeah, I've never read it, so you better you better tell us about it. Yeah, so book by H.G. Uh, Bissinger here, um, who went down to he must have you know heard about how crazy uh, football, like high school football in Texas, is. Um, and so he went down as like a journalist and decided to follow this team, uh, the Odessa Permian Panthers, um, in Odessa, Texas, um, and kind of follow their season. They, um, didn't end up having a successful season in terms of, um, I think they won, they they lost in the first round of the playoffs or something like that, but it's, uh, what we can kind of come to learn and love through the show and through the movie, um, just that kind of, you know, it's more about the the story than, than the destination. Right. And, you know, it paints a, a beautiful portrait of small town American life and, um, you know, a, a town full of people who are passionate about football. Um, right. And everything else that goes along with that. So uh, then in, there's a, I'm going to hop in. There's, there's, there was a quote I was watching like the making of Friday night lights, uh, kind of behind the scenes video. And I think it was, uh, Jason Katims or Katims or what, however you say his name, writer, director, producer, whatever, you know, uh, big shot on the show. And his quote was, it's not so much a show about Texas as it is a show about community. It's not really so much about football as it is about life. You can't pigeonhole it. So kind of that, kind of that idea. It's not really, (laughs) that's a great explanation. The the first round exit on the playoffs. It's the whole, yeah. Journey up to that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, book was, I mean, popular enough. I think it came out in the late eighties. I know that the story I think was about the 88 season or somewhere in their late eighties. Um, so, uh, it became a popular book. Uh, they turned it into a movie in 2004, uh, directed by Peter Berg, mm-hmm. um, who, uh, I know has directed a couple other movies that I really like, but none of them are coming to mind right now. Yeah. And, and um, he's acted too. I, yes. Cause I, when I was watching that behind the scenes, I was like, that guy looks super familiar. A, he's in the series later on. He's mm-hmm. like, uh, Tammy's ex boyfriend that comes to town. Yep. yep. Yeah. He's in some other stuff too, but yeah, Peter Berg, Peter Berg. And then, uh, you know, starring Billy Bob Thornton and, uh, in one of the weirder, you know, in our teaser episode, we talk <laughs> about, uh, or I talked about TV shows that got made into movies and every now and then you'd have like a, a, an oddball, like one person from the movie would come through the cast and everybody else is played by somebody new. Yeah. yeah. Um, the clueless series, like Donald Faison played oh, no the way. same character that he played in the movie in the TV show, but I'm pretty sure he was, Oh, maybe like the redhead girl from, from the movie was in the series sure. as well. Yeah. But it was just like those two. Yeah. And in a, a weird, like, because they went such a different direction with, with the TV show Friday Night Lights than they did the movie. Because Betty Garrity yeah. is in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he is. And so is Connie Britton. And Connie Britton plays the same role, but it's a different yep. 
person, which is yeah, strange. And I think Buddy Buddy Garrity is the same way, where he's yeah, but, but he's got a sweet mustache in the movie that he does not carry through into into the show, which is a shame. But yeah, it is. I wish yeah, yeah, that he would have would have stuck to that look. But you know who the first person I think of though when I think of the movie is Tim McGraw. Yes. Super bald. <laughs> That's who I think of. Abusive I'm, father of basically Tim Riggins, Tim McGraw. Yes, I'm glad that you brought that up because I always forget that Tim or that Tim McGraw is in that movie. And whenever I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, not only is Tim McGraw in this movie, which is a very strange acting choice because I don't <laughs> think he's done much acting before or since. No. Country but he's strong, really good in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely. Really good in that movie. He he makes a very convincing alcoholic abusive father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie was kind of a launch pad for because Garrett Headland was Tim McGraw's son that, in that movie. Yes. And he went on to have a pretty pretty also decent career. Strong. Is he really? Yes. <laughs> Didn't see it. I guess I gotta watch yeah. Country Strong. It sounds like a <laughs> so Friday Night Lights the movie reunion. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's gonna be our next our next podcast is the Country, <laughs> the strong. country strong podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna take it scene by scene. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. Right. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Sad to say. <laughs> so yeah, um then yeah, in two thousand six they made the the T V show and I fell in love with it. You and fell in love with it. Uh, America surprisingly did not fall in love with it. I think yeah, yeah. people who watched it fell in love with it. Right. But I think the problem was exactly what uh, Jason Cadams was talking about, where I think it got so pigeonholed that people were like, oh, a TV show about high school football, like who cares? Yeah. Not realizing that it is about so much more than that. I mean, it, it got the critical love that, that it deserved, but it did not get the ratings that it deserved, which is a, yeah. a true yeah, and in looking into it, it sounds like one of the main reasons that they survived as long as they did was because apparently it was a super low budget show, and so it was basically like it they weren't losing that much um, to keep it on. They didn't have a ton to lose, which was surprising because it's a really well done show. But you know, they didn't build any sets. Um, it was all like shot on locations and stuff like that. So I suppose maybe you save money that way. Yeah, not a ton of I big guess. names. But. Yeah, no, not a lot of big. Maybe some pre-big names, but no, right at the time, big names. Aside, Kyle Chandler was probably the biggest <laughs> name at the yeah. time. And I okay, so TV's early editions. Exactly. <laughs> apparently, they they did not want Kyle Chandler. Uh, one of the directors, I Peter Berg, I think, uh, did not want Kyle Chandler because he only knew him as the early edition guy. <laughs> It's like, no, there's no way the early edition guy can play this role. But then they met him and apparently it was like instant, like, okay, yep. <laughs> I was going to say he, he had to have really come around more than that because now that I'm thinking about it, a movie that Peter Berg did later that Kyle Chandler was in was The Kingdom oh. um, that he had kind of a bit part in. It was a yeah. Jamie Foxx movie. Yep. Was yep. Good one. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I. Obviously, then Kyle Chandler was not the first choice for Coach Taylor. Do you know who the first choice, who they, who he wanted to get for Coach Taylor? I don't know, but I'm going to venture a guess. Yes, please. Tracy Hurt. <laughs> no, uh, amazingly, not our our high school football coach, <laughs> history teacher. For uh, those keeping track at home, that is the first plat reference of. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, like could be its own 
and and I hope I'm sure uh, somebody from from Tracy's family will be listening to this. Uh, and honestly, we'd love to have you on sometime. <laughs> Chase, yes. come on, uh, come on. <laughs> we we want to talk tr- all things Tracy Hurt with you. I feel like it's relevant. Uh, no, surprisingly, not Tracy Hurt was not the first choice. Uh, this is going to blow your mind a little bit. The first cho- choice for Coach Taylor, and actually he agreed to it at first, was Dwight Yoakam. Really? <laughs> yes. That is a very like interesting and kind of inspired casting choice. Yeah. yeah. I, it would be completely different. I love Kyle Chandler as Coach Taylor, but I love the idea of Dwight Yoakam yeah, as Coach Taylor. You can kind of see it, can't you? I can't. Like, it'd be a lot more a lot more gruff, a lot more gritty. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, so he initially agreed to it apparently, but then started making like all these demands and said like, he can only, uh, film like a few days a week because he needs to be on tour and all this kind of stuff. So they said, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. So uh-huh. they moved on and they got Kyle Chandler, but yeah, we could have been living in a world where Dwight Yoakam was, was coach Taylor. So oh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, another Another fact about the TV show, I don't know if you know this, that there was actually NBC, this was not NBC's first adaptation of the book. There was a show in 1993 and 1994 that was based on Friday Night Lights, the book. And uh, I actually have a video clip of the, a promo for it. It's just like a, like a weekly, one of the weekly promos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it stars a young, very famous actor that that you will see here. But I'm just going to play it for you and, I, and get your reaction on this. All right. I'm All excited. Right. Got to share the screen. All right. Here we go. Tonight, Ed's wife's got a new job. I've been wined and dined, what can I say? A new dress. Wow. And a client who knows what he wants. I know what I'm doing. Just be careful. Ed's son's become quite a celebrity. <laughs> and his daughter's cashing in. Isn't that my t-shirt? That's life against Yo! the grain. tonight. Against the grain. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, this was wow. a little nugget that I found when I was digging around on the internet. Oh my uh, why, not, why don't you describe what you just saw? They, they heard it, but they didn't, they didn't see it. Uh, well, <laughs> it looked like a... Like somebody made a joke or like what if Friday Night Lights existed in the 1990s, um, including a young Ben Affleck, which is insane. Yep. Ben that Affleck is... played the star quarterback role. Oh my goodness. In the 1993-1994 version of Friday Night Lights, which was against the grain. Against it lasted for eight grain. episodes and oh. got canceled. But actually... uh <laughs> If you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, for what that's worth, 73%. Uh, some pretty decent reviews. I, I have a couple of reviews here. A positive one and a negative one that, that I thought I'd read. Um, so this is... Oh, shoot. I didn't put where this is from. This is one of the major newspapers. Uh, or no, this is from Variety. This is from Variety. Season 1 review. Against the Grain. Refreshing, low-key, and true to its small-town Texas setting... The series goes against the grain of most so-called current family entertainment. This isn't another inane sitcom with dopey adults and unbearably cute kitties. Everyone here seems natural and real, which I feel like is contradictory to what we just saw. (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like there were some dopey adults in, in Ben Affleck sure. as an unbearably cute kitty. But uh, so that's a positive review. And then here is a not so positive review uh, from that was in the Washington Post. The temptation is to call against the grain a well-meaning failure, but I fail to see what's even well-meaning about it. It's a horrid show about dreadful people in a wretched place. So there. Wow. (laughs) That's the Washington Post review. So there. Wow. So, yeah, that, I don't know, man. I I tried to see if I could get my hands on an episode, but couldn't come up with it. That's literally all the evidence I could, video evidence I could find. I wonder, let's, I I think we got to make it our goal to find all eight episodes of Against the Grain. And that's going to be like the appendix of this The bonus episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If there would ever be, if there were, if there would ever be a a Patreon uh, series, (laughs) it would be against the grain. Us talking about Against the Grain. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Yep. Um, Against the Grain. So yeah, I was, I was pretty, pretty amazed when I when I found that. So I thought that was pretty good. I'm not having any look looking on eBay. Usually you can find oh. some bootleg stuff on there or maybe like Etsy would maybe be a place to go. Yeah. Fine. You'd think just by the nature of having Ben Affleck in it, that you'd be able to find it somewhere. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. There is, I mean, slim pickings, but we got some time to look for it. We got some. Yep. Yep. All right, so moving from against the grain <laughs> back to what we're actually here to talk about. Uh, yes. Friday Night Lights, uh, directed, executive producer, writer, director, Jason Katims. I just want to say uh, I'm a big fan of like about a 10-year run he had on shows. Friday Night Lights, excellent. Parenthood, which... Watching with Lindsay was a great show for us to watch together. I didn't watch all of it, but um, solid show. I've been meaning to watch that show for yeah. years and have never gotten around to it. So yeah. going to be one to put on my list down the line. And that show started at the same time as Modern Family, and I remember I kept getting them mixed up when it <laughs> first when they both first started. Very different shows. Yes. <laughs> so Friday Night Lights, Parenthood. Uh, about a boy. I don't know if you ever saw. Yes. Oh, a TV show based on a movie, much like this. But that mm. was an X. Ex- I've never even seen the movie, but the show was, was very super good. good. Yeah. Very good show. Yeah. Underrated. I loved that. And then an even more underrated show, in my opinion, was Hulu original The Path uh, with Aaron Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, about, yeah, he was like the cult leader or whatever. I remember that show. I like, I remember seeing trailers for it. I never watched it though. So we, I can't, it was so. awesome. We loved it. And it got canceled at like the worst possible place, of course. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm really a big fan of Jason Katims and everything he did in that like 10 year stretch. Pretty good run in my opinion. But. That is from what I can tell. And from what I've watched, definitely a, an extremely solid run. Yes. Yes. All right, so getting to um, the the focus of this podcast, Friday Night Lights. Uh, what year? <laughs> what year did this start? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Yeah. Two thousand six version of Friday Night Lights TV show. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yes.
let's get into episode one. Give us a summary. I feel like you're you're a good summary guy, um, but I will contribute as needed. But give us sure. a little summary of what episode one is all about. Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, it's your typical pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got, you're kind of introducing the characters. You've got Matt Saracen, kind of a, a meek little dude, lives with his grandma, <laughs> has a loser friend who's not on the football team, isn't really expecting, he's not an overachiever, yes. uh, really isn't expecting much from playing on the football team, just wants to, I don't know, just enjoys it, I guess, enough to stand on the sidelines every week um maybe he's got an ulterior motive maybe he's trying to meet girls i think you know or something but uh you know you've got your your tim riggins who is introduced passed out on a couch with several beers empty beer cans around him presumably on a weekday soon thereafter we're introduced to riggins's brother and tyra (laughs) who also apparently spent the night in the Riggins home. <laughs> they're, they're really, they're really hitting hard who these characters are. I mean, it's a pilot. That's what they do, but yes, right. they are, they are driving it home. Absolutely. Who they these are. These people are. Yeah. Then you've got, uh, smash Williams, the stud wide receiver who is extremely cocky. um, and just overall ridiculous. Um, he's just got that, you know, Tyler Erickson and I used to talk. I'll come back. I promise this isn't oh, going to go yeah, too yeah, far yeah. on a tangent. We always just talk about how people who are great athletes in high school can basically be as weird as they want to be. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's going to care because they're athletes. <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't want to name too many names, but I'm sure there's some people that are coming to your mind. Bam, bam, bam. They're popping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that we went to high school with. Um, so I think Smash Williams is just kind of that character who's just like so cocky because nobody's going to stop him from doing whatever the heck he wants to do. Right. Um, I love there's that, that spot where they're interviewing Jason street, who we'll get to in a moment. And and Smash is just like behind the camera interview. And he's like, I got endorsements. Nike, Adidas. <laughs> it's like Nike and Adidas. That's what I was gonna say. Like he can do whatever he wants, include straight up lie, a completely impossible lie. Yes. Nobody really says anything. Rules. Um and then you got Jason Street, who is this impossibly good high school football coach. Do you you see there's a scene where the Notre Dame recruiter is talking to his parents? And he's like, he's the best we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. Or the the little kid, he's like doing the mentoring thing with the little fo- kid football players. And they're, the little kid football player is like, uh, Mr. Street, you need to be a pro football player and be better than Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. <laughs> and he doesn't refute him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to focus on my education. And then and Peyton Manning. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even argue with the kid. Yeah. Um, which it's hilarious because I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but in the very little of the entire series that we see Jason Street play football, they do not play that well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> um, and then we've got the Garrity family, <laughs> yes. buddy, the car dealership owner. <laughs> 
his daughter Lila, who is literally like a Disney princess come to life, mm-hmm. who is also, of course, the head cheerleader and dating Jason Street. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think I missed anybody. We've got Coach Taylor and his family. Yep. Uh, wife Tammy and um, daughter Julie. Who we actually we don't get a lot of Julie Taylor in this episode. Which no, but I, they she they, as I said, they're really hammering home who these people are, and she starts off strong with being very dislikable. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's sarcastic characters. Yep, we take. Yep, um, that's what I got. Yeah, everybody's kind of you know got their own own thing. Yeah, uh, in one in an interview I was watching with Peter Berg, he said they like went to the town, you know, that this is all, that all this is based on and we're checking it all out. And he said, there's basically an unlimited cast of characters that you can, that you could work with. Like in a small town, in any small town, there's like an unlimited amount of characters you can make. And so they had to, they had to just kind of, yeah, pick the main ones and smash a few into, into each other and stuff like that. But yeah. So yeah, we kind of get introduced to the, the characters and we kind of get a feel for, you know, the community itself and how it operates. And, um, you know, coach Taylor is a first year high school coach, which is a big deal in Texas. Mm-hmm. He coached Jason street as a peewee. So he knows Jason street very well mm-hmm. there. You get that feeling of pressure from even like the community who are like, Hey, we like you, but don't mess this up. <laughs> you know, there's that weird undercurrent, uh, the like it's weirdly tense. Yes. Despite how kind everybody appears. And and like the like the movie, they use the the talk radio a lot to kind of show you that to like bring you in on that pressure and just all the the criticism and whatnot from from talk radio. So yeah, the 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 town in general is almost like its own antagonist to to Coach Taylor a little bit, you know. That that gets to to talk in yeah through talk radio and pressuring him at the different events and stuff like that which we can talk about more but yeah um and before we talk about more i want to give a shout out to our sponsor aztec burger jason (laughs) street eats one before every game aztec burger dylan texas (laughs) nice yep every game it's true nice is there is there a a promo code that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Put in or- go to aztec burger and mention the untitled currently untitled friday night lights podcast with josh kuypers and anthony Oakland. and you'll get 10 percent off of your aztec burger nice good <laughs> all right so coach taylor's taking over a uh, lot of pressure is very obvious right from the beginning um they have a they straight up have like a, a news crew following uh, Coach Taylor around and the players are around. You get to see uh, they're like sitting the players down before or after practice to like interview them. Uh, <laughs> there's a quote from Smash Williams that I loved in the the interviews where he's he's going on and on. Yeah, you know what's coming. <laughs> I think I wrote something down. I wrote down a Smash quote. Yeah, so he's, he's talking. Excited. He's talking about like how they're going to take this season to unimaginable new heights. They're going to take it to places nobody's <laughs> could ever has ever like considered before. And he's like, "State champions, state champions." <laughs> I literally <laughs> have that written down here: unimaginable new heights, state champs, smash. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that the point of literally every single high school football team? <laughs> like that, 
That is absolutely what every high school football team in the nation is shooting <laughs> is going for. It. Like, yeah. Oh man, yeah, I got a champion. <laughs> Unimaginable new heights. And then there's like a perfect pause. dramatic yeah. pause. Unimaginable new heights. State champions. <laughs> so good. So good. And it was so like you could tell that was intentional. Like, and I think it, and in a good way, like you can tell that that's what that character is. Like mm. Still a freakish athlete and a, you know, fun and ridiculous person, but also at the same time, like still a high school kid. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. this is, that's all he knows. Yeah. So, so you think that was an intentional choice on the part of the writers and not just I do. crappy writing for a pilot? I do. Okay. Yep. Okay. I, I think I, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that was an, I think that was an intentional uh, move. Well, yeah. Okay. That makes, yeah, I can see that. I see where you come from. That makes me feel a lot better about it. Cause I was like, how did that <laughs> slip through? Like nobody questioned this. <laughs> okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great line. Great line. All right. So there, yeah, it's all practice getting ready for the first game. We are, let know over and over again that Jason Street is like one of the best high school football players of all time. Yeah. And what else leading up to to the game? Is there any um, we've got the tension, a lot of tension between Riggins and Smash. Yes. Yep. Who exactly. who hate each other? Riggins says that it's not racism. He just doesn't like him. Uh, that may or may not be true, and I don't know. If, I maybe they kept it intentionally ambiguous. Yeah. But you've got Tyra, who once again started off the episode in Riggins' home, and then like later on tries to mack on Jason Street, but also later on is macking on Smash. Yes, which causes because doesn't Riggins like see her with talking to Smash or something, or maybe it's just when she when maybe it's just I'm thinking of Lila. With- no, it's both. It's okay. Lila and Street. She she cozies up to street and they're getting he's getting his picture taken with Tyra and Lila sees it and uh Tim hears smash kind of hitting on Tyra those two going back that's what it is yeah Yeah. it's both so again very heavy-handed in showing that uh yeah Tyra is uh who she is yes (laughs) yeah we don't women shame on shame on this podcast and and tyra has a great overall character absolutely throughout the show so yeah this is the first episode yes i'm defending tyra already okay (laughs) so that's uh that's at the booster pep rally thing which i'll get into with my nomination for buddy garrity sleazeball move of the week but (laughs) some sort of grand opening slash pep rally that he co-opted into his grand opening i don't know yes (laughs) yes um and then yeah everything kind of leads up to the first game of the season and the game happens and Dylan Panthers kind of get their butts whipped. Uh, they're down. I don't remember what the score is, but they're down by like 10 points mm-hmm. and it was 14 to 24 or something like that. And Jason street throws a interception mm-hmm. and the player starts to run back. Jason street makes the tackle. Doesn't get up. Come to find star quarterback, impossibly good, uh, quarterback, high school quarterback, Jason Street, paralyzed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's an emotional moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, you kind of the silence from the crowd. The uh you know, unsuredness of his parents and Lila. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he gets carted off in the ambulance and uh, young Matt Saracen steps into the QB one position. Hey, yo. And it, it makes me wonder coach must've seen something in Saracen. If he's even QB number two, right? Right. Like if there had to have been somebody else in Dylan who was probably better than Saracen at quarterback. Yeah. If, if you're a, if you're a Texas high school football team with uh state championship aspirations, I'm assuming your your QB two, even if you have the best quarterback in in high school quarterback in history, your quarterback QB two must have something decent going. Has on. something more than I hold the extra point kick sometimes. Sometimes, kind of well, <laughs> kind of well. Um, but Saracen comes in; he's you know just a real goofus maloofus for for his first couple snaps. Real goofus maloofus, <laughs> and then. Pulls it together, you know, gets a good play in, get, they get a touchdown, get an onside kick. Cause there's only seconds left in the game. Uh, they get the ball back. It makes a miraculous pass, like an extremely like ridiculous play. Yeah. He's almost tackled like three times, <laughs> yeah, slips, touch- puts his hand down, keeps going, chucks it up. And yeah, n- Player that none of us will meet for the rest of the season and make touchdown. He has a name. I don't remember what they said his name was, but I was like, yeah, I don't remember ever hearing that name again. (laughs) He's an extra. Um, But he makes the uh, the touchdown and the Dillon Panthers win the big game. But meanwhile, Jason Street's in the hospital. They're doing surgeries on him and all of this. And uh, Julie Taylor and Lila Garrity embrace in the hallway. And that's, that's episode one. That's the pilot. I think we should make a note that this is the first game that is won on the last play of the game. And I think we need to keep a running tally of this. <laughs> That's a good call. Yes, I like that idea. Because uh, I have a feeling that it is much higher percentage <laughs> in this TV show of games being won in the last play than than real life. But we'll, we'll just observe. We'll, we'll yeah, see we'll, how it goes. We'll keep an eye on that. We will keep an eye on that. Okay, so that is... The the summary of how the episode went, we're going to get a little bit deeper into each of the characters, kind of our first impressions uh, of the show. I will try and uh, put myself into the mindset of a first time viewer, if I can, um, with each of these. But but yeah, let's start with the let's start with the Taylor family. Coach Taylor, really, you know, really the center central character of the show, especially as you progress throughout the seasons, he's the really what, what keeps the show, what it is and consistent, I think. But yeah, what were your, what are kind of our initial impressions of coach Taylor? Uh, I think he's relatable. Mm -hmm. He's a guy in a tough position and in an understandable position, you kind of get where he's coming from. Yep. You feel all this pressure that he feels and is just in general a stand-up guy. I think even from episode one. Yep. Yeah, you can tell he's he's got integrity. Uh, they do a really good job of showing that he is also a a good husband and a good father um, in in a very real way, not in like a cheesy TV show way. Like mm-hmm. it's obvious that the Taylor family has its issues, but but they're a unit, so that's good. Um, I gotta say. 
uh, and maybe this is intentional too, but first episode, not a terribly inspiring coach. <laughs> uh, like just in, in kind of quiet intensity, uh, inspiring that way. But um, <laughs> he, he basically just lists out a bunch of expectations. Uh, his pre <laughs> his pregame fire up speech is, I expect you to play hard. I expect you to give everything you've got. Like, that's it. So, um, but we'll see him develop as a coach. For yes, sure. yeah. absolutely. We will. Yep. Uh, Mrs. Coach, Tammy. Um, I feel like she didn't have a ton to do in the pilot episode. No. Aside from uh, try to talk Coach into buying a new house. <laughs> yep. With his and her closets. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I in, in terms of first impressions, I don't know that there was much of one for for Tammy. Would no. you? I, would I felt you, like she was she was likable, even though she was kind of. I felt like in this episode, she was there to play up the tension of having a family and being a coach in in Texas high school football. Like that's mainly the role she served in this episode. But I feel like even in that, you you like Tammy, you know? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, but not a ton, not a ton of Tammy content here. But uh, <laughs> that will be remedied in future episodes. <laughs> yes, yes, it will. There, yes, it will. Yeah. Like we mentioned before, Julie Taylor also not much, but boy, she comes in strong with with being full Julie. Yes, she is uh, a typical, completely over everything teenager, yeah. especially a completely over this small town bullcrap teenager. Yes. Um. She's like reading Moby Dick and like talking about it regularly about how like the whole town is a metaphor for Moby Dick. Yep. I do love the scene when Landry and, and Matt Saracen try to go talk to her for the first time. <laughs> and Saracen, I don't remember what, what Landry says, but he's, he's like, Oh, are you enjoying some Moby Dick? <laughs> so, I don't remember how he says it, but it's, it's very funny. That, that really was the Saracen Landry combo there was pretty pretty perfect pretty iconic for for who they are as Absolutely. a friend couple throughout this show yeah it was good uh so saracen let's just move right to him then uh mr yes. aw shucks himself yes he is a completely aw shucks um kind of guy not the person you expect to be arguably the main focus of the show throughout the first season aside from coach right um yeah just a real you know, a real goofus maloofus, <laughs> not really um, much to him. You know, he, he lives with his grandma. I don't know if you know this, but as the show progresses, I am not a fan of grandma Saracen. Uh, she's tough. Yeah, she's tough. <laughs> she's tough. Um, like even in the first episode where she's like complaining about how he made two sandwiches, it's just like, come on, Grandma Saracen. Well, well, Grandma Saracen obviously has some dementia issues. That's I know, I which know. is a major, <laughs> major theme for Matt yeah. uh, being thrust into responsibility uh, before he he is ready. Just like just much like his performance in the the game that evening. Uh, yeah, he's tasked with taking care of his grandma. So it's it's it serves, I feel like, to to show us who Matt Saracen is. But yes, grandma grandma is tough to yes. love. You 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 want to feel sorry for her, but yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, and probably the reason that I 
the biggest problem that I have with, with grandma Saracen, and this is just going to be a short tangent. Um, at the same time that I, we, I was watching this show for the first time, I was working at the Platte food center with a woman from Texas oh, wow. who was just like grandma Saracen. Like <laughs> she was the worst. Dementia? Um, no, she didn't have dementia. She was just so no excuse. a very unlikable person. Yeah. Um, and she was just a bit much, she got fired a few years later. Like, I don't remember what for, but like customers didn't like her coworkers didn't like her. She was just <laughs> terrible. And she looks a little bit like grandma Saracen. Yeah. But like her attitude was very similar. And I think I just couldn't separate the two for basically the entire <laughs> series. So right. it's not your fault. Grandma Saracen. <laughs> Which- it's maybe a little bit of the character's fault, but it's mostly, uh, my former coworkers' fault. Yeah, which, as we've mentioned, and I think we'll get into more, is is part of why this show works. Uh, because if you're from a small town, you know all of these characters, even crazy old Grandma Saracen. Absolutely, <laughs> it just works. So, uh, Saracen's right hand man, uh, Landry <laughs> Clark. Landry Clark. Landry is ridiculous. Um, he's he's great. I mean, one or one of us is going to write down the land. I mean, we both wrote down the Landry quote without a doubt. <laughs> For sure. One of the first sentences that Landry says <laughs> is, is, I'm thinking about starting a Christian speed metal band, you in, <laughs> to Matt Saracen. Yes. yes, I am in. <laughs> I am in on the Christian speed metal band. Let's go. Uh, yeah, that quote really explains Landry real well. You know, one thing I thought was really strange, (laughs) to be entirely honest with you, was that Landry was sitting with Grandma Saracen at the football game. (laughs) Like, think about that, but yeah, yeah, if you don't think about it, you you know, it's whatever, but when you really think about it, it's like, that's really strange. Why are you not sitting in the student section? Why are you sitting with your best friend's grandma who yeah, doesn't like you? Yeah. <laughs> she, she does. She wants, she wants Matt to get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. You're it doesn't right. make any sense. <laughs> um, yeah. Landry, Landry rules. He's ridiculous. He's kind of the comic relief of the show. Yes. If there was one. Yep. And one of the, I feel like one of the few people who have gone on uh, Jesse Plemons who plays Landry, one of the few people has gone on to be in like recognizable things. Uh, yeah. At least from this first season. He is surprisingly, if I were to ever guess who was going to be the breakout star of Friday yeah. Night Lights, Landry would have been like seventh or eighth on my list. <laughs> right. Right. But like, I'm looking at the list of people that we've talked about so far and I can't name much that anybody's been in saracen wasn't saracen in a taylor swift music video saracen was in a a taylor swift music video he was also in an uh, episode of law and order svu well so has Um, every actor ever right (laughs) that's those are the only two things that i think that i've ever seen him in angie mentioned (laughs) it was really fun watching this show with angie because every character she was like oh he was on this like Super cheesy show that she watches. Degrassi yeah, <laughs> High. Or yeah. like, when Street came on, she was like, oh, he was in Heart of Dixie. <laughs> like, All right. Starring, starring uh, Rachel Summer Bilson. Sanders, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Friend of the show, Rachel Bilson. Uh, the, the other option for this podcast, it was either Friday Night Lights or DOC. So yes. 
and we may ex- still explore the OC yeah, at some point is, down the line. I, I hope not to. off the table for sure. Um, smash, smash Williams, who smash Williams. is just, I think we said this already, but just absolutely ridiculous <laughs> in this, this episode. Holy cow. Yeah. He is over the top cocky. Um, but in a realistic way, like where I've seen that level yeah. of cockiness in another yeah. person. So it's, yeah. it's funny in a way, but it's also like, oh, this isn't like a, ri- like, this is a ridiculous character, but it's not a ridiculous character. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous in a believable way because we yes. know this type of ridiculous person. Uh, but yeah, excellent, like incredible running back. Street is like the, the top of the team, but then Smash is also like close behind a uh, second star player and probably, and, but probably doesn't see himself that way. Probably yeah. sees himself as number one. Yeah, Smash definitely is cocky in the way that you know for sure just by watching him for five minutes that he can back it up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and Street is, yeah, a little bit more humble, but arguably, I mean, more talented from what we can tell. Yeah. So Street, yeah, the, kind of the kind of the opposite side of the coin. Extremely humble, extremely like uh, a very good boy. Um, very upstanding citizen, like they kind of go out of their way to, to show that, you know, he's mentoring the speaking to the peewee football team, all that. He's a real role model. So street is dating, uh, Lila Garrity, daughter of buddy Garrity. Uh, what, what are our first impressions of Lila? Uh, Lila is, Lila is the, the head of the cheerleading squad is a real, like, pretty one-dimensional character as far as first impressions go mm-hmm. um there's you know we were talking earlier about the uh the unimaginable new highs state champions line and whether or not it was intentional there's that scene where her and jason street are walking and talking and she's doing the like is it true that this oh and gosh. it's like that is to me like was that intentionally written so cringy or was that supposed to be just like, was that supposed to be like high school dialogue? Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that was the line that I, that whole dialogue that I was like, is this supposed to be like, (laughs) like it's, that's hard to watch. Yeah. For, for, if you need a refresher, Lila is like kind of uh, imitating one of the, the reporters interviewing, street and she's like is it true jason street that you can throw a football 400 yards or blah 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 yes it is true then you must kiss me and just over and over again it's yeah. terrible it's really bad <laughs> it's but hard I, I mean yeah it's there it's showing their all-american uh dream relationship or whatever qb1 in the head cheerleader and yeah yeah yeah, she she does not upon this episode seem to have a lot of depth outside of being extremely attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, dating the the head football star. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think maybe that that little exchange um shows her naivety a little like kind of just a lack of like awareness of what of the world around her and everything like she just lives in this perfect bubble um dating the perfect guy all that and then yeah obviously that gets upended um 
pretty hardcore throughout the throughout the show. Um, yeah, Lila takes a lot of L's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, over and over again. So, uh, kind of her female counterpart, Tyra, um, the anti Lila. Yes. What do we What do we think of her right off the bat? Lila likes to, or t- excuse me, Tyra likes to have fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Tyra, I've met a, a lot of Tyras. Yes. Yeah. I knew a lot of, we went to high school with a lot of Tyras. Yep. Um, not to say that it's a bad thing, but um, she kind of comes off as a girl who maybe comes from a broken home, mm-hmm. who is really attractive, but maybe doesn't realize how attractive she is, but she knows that she's attractive enough that she can get things with it <laughs> yeah yeah I feel, um, I feel like tyra knows how attractive she is but yes definitely right. that that she can manipulate people yeah um with her looks yes for sure um yeah she you know i don't know how else to to put it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean she's flirting with every guy in, yeah in in that tells you what you need to know right we yeah. she we open up the first scene with tim riggins she like straddles him on the couch as he wakes up with beer empty beer bottles all around evidence that evident that she spent the night and then she's getting street in trouble with lila and getting uh starting well not starting beef but um aggravating things between smash and tim riggins so yeah yep we yeah that that tells us what we need to know about tyra at this point for sure but like i said she has a great character arc. She has a great arc. She, she's she's going to redeem herself. We're we love Tyra. Her. We love Tyra. We're not judging. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, I think we need to talk about Buddy G, uh, our, our man, Buddy Garrity. Well, I think before, if we're talking last but not least, we okay. haven't talked about Tim Riggins yet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We didn't talk about Tim Riggins. <laughs> Let's hit Tim Riggins before we... Before we hit Buddy Garrity. We, yes. Tim Riggins rules. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I think I just had a picture of Tim Riggins as my Facebook profile picture for like a year. <laughs> yeah. We did that as a bit that summer. I forgot about that. Cause really? I had like, I think I was Matt Saracen and you were Tim Riggins. Oh, nice. And oh man, Jordan must've had one too. I mean, Jordan is obviously smash Williams, right? And that makes sense. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think unless he was coach, because uh, I don't see him pulling, picking Landry. <laughs> no. Well, in that, that would be Abe. Uh, we have Obviously, yes. Exactly. Like Landry a, they're Cole, exactly so. the same. Sorry, we're getting really plat specific here. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. Tim Riggins rules. He is, he is the male Tyra, uh, a guy who, probably does not realize his own talent um, and also probably comes from a broken home and has probably a lot of issues to work out um, and has turned to drinking and sex Browsing. and yeah, as a, uh, I don't know, a way to kind of escape the hardships that he has experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we get a glimpse of his home life. Uh, right away that he lives alone with his brother who is uh definitely out of high school but you know doesn't seem to be a very good parental figure so we learned that about about tim right away 
um, pretty, pretty closed off. Yeah. Pretty just rough, tough kind of guy. So, yeah. uh, and as I mentioned before, uh, the namesake for my, my dog who is a miniature pincher pug. Um, so also just rough, tough, rough and tumble, <laughs> uh, closed off yeah. carousing, etc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really fits him well. So. Buddy Garrity. Then moving on to Buddy Garrity. Buddy Garrity is the local car dealer. <laughs> uh, he is just, and it's not as apparent from the get go from the first episode. We don't get a lot of glimpses of Buddy in the first episode, but he's a scumbag <laughs> in every sense of the word. I uh, yeah, they made him a used car dealer uh, yeah. for a reason. I definitely know some Buddy Garrities. I mean, I've met every single one of these characters except for maybe a Coach Taylor. Yeah, uh, and we, we don't get the full picture of how obsessed he is with the with the football team or kind of his role on the boosters in the first episode. But that's really like that's who who he is for this show is like kind of the ringleader of the, the boosters, the, the people putting pressure on coach to, to win games. Do they'll do anything to get their high school football team to the state championship, you know, whatever it takes. And yeah, buddy's kind of the, the embodiment of that whole crowd. We, we will be talking plenty about buddy as the the show progresses. (laughs) Yes, Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely, definitely one of the favorites of the show, Buddy Garrity. Yeah. So like we've been saying over and over, um, one of the reasons why this show is, is so meaningful to a lot of people and especially to us is um, it takes place in a, in a small rural town. We grew up in a town of about 1400. It was back then. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've lost like a hundred people. I think it's, I think it's 1200 or so on the current list. Uh, I mean, obviously the census will be this year, so we'll see what we're down to, but I, I, it's not getting any bigger. Yep. Correct. Um, and really for our, our region, our area, pretty decent sized small town. Um, there are a lot smaller towns around us. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, its own, experience that I feel like is very unique to, um, a small and yeah, Texas isn't Midwest, but I feel like a lot of the same values and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I I thought we could just talk a little bit about, you know, what about Dylan that we see in this first episode, you know, resonates with us. Um, what do we, what do we see in Dylan that we can look back and see in, in Platt? Um, so like I, I mentioned this quote before, um, but, one of the directors, one of the producers uh, said, it's not so much a show about Texas as it is a show about community. And it's not really so much about football as it is about life. You can't pigeonhole it. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 one of the things just to start us off with um, is I feel like uh, we get a picture of how enmeshed every aspect of, of life in Dylan is like, when it comes to football, to church, to everyone's dating relationships that are all kind of mixed up in each other. We get that picture, uh, to school, to whatever it is. Um, Oh, to, to the community, um, you know, all the pressure at the kind of the pep rally that people are putting on coach because football means so much to the community. Um, 
it's just super, everything is, is tied together. You can't really separate it. And it, it reminds me of like in high school, how everybody was kind of involved with everything, right? Like the same people who, um, played sports were the same people who, who did music were the same people who were in the, the spring play. Um, it, it all kind of tied into each other. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Is that, is that, did you resonate with kind of that aspect of it as well? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, growing up and I don't know how big Dylan is supposed to be, Yeah, but I always, in retrospect, I don't think I maybe realized it at the time, maybe like later on in high school I did, but I always had a hard time relating with shows like even like to use the OC as an example, which I do love a lot mm-hmm. as uh, you know, cause I mean, whatever town they're in Newport beach is so much bigger even than, than Platt. Like, even though it's like a small town for California, like it's so much bigger than Platt. And I, like I said, I don't know how big Dylan is supposed to be, but I do like that they explored such a, like there were clicks in Platt, but like, and you had like, you know, maybe people that didn't like each other, but like, I feel like I ran in more than one crowd. Like I wasn't just, you know, a dude who hung out with like, the jocks or the nerds or you know whatever Mm -hmm. um and so i like that that is kind of like how landry is kind of honestly if there's a character that's most related that i relate to more most anyway it's it's like a landry who is a total nerd but like his friend is the backup quarterback who becomes qb1 for a potential you know high school um football championship you know state winners so i i really i like that they kind of explored the idea that it's not just about the jocks you know like it it explores you know every not every kind of person in the community but that there's kind of outsiders that come in and, and vice versa yeah like everything revolves around football but not not everybody not everybody's life everybody's life is impacted by football in this show but not everybody's life is is centered around football and Mm -hmm. yeah landry is a a great example of that for sure yeah i definitely like you know there's i mean like we've kind of said a few times like all these characters are so realistic and they're so relatable and you know like I said, every single one of our main characters, like I've met except for arguably a coach Taylor, like yep. somebody that's that, you know, much like he is. I don't even know what the word is for it, but, but I, I know everybody else on this show, you know? So these are, these are realistic small town characters. Um, what about the, like the role of sports? I mean, I don't think Platt was this over the top, but we were, we were good at a lot of we, things. We were, important. yeah, we had a lot of good athletes, especially when you and I were in high school. Yeah. That was a, a really solid run of, of athletes for basically every sport. Right. I guess I wasn't following like girls basketball or volleyball at the time, but like our football team always did pretty well. Our basketball team made it to state a pretty lot much. of years yeah. in a row. There were very few years that we didn't make it to state. Yeah. I can remember. Um, and I guess I, the few years, I mean, talking about our entire high school experience, 
you know, talking like, oh, one would have been your freshman year or 2000, 2001 would have been your freshman year, right? Because yeah. I was thinking, oh, or no, no, no. Oh, one, oh, two would have been your freshman year. Oh, two, oh, three would have been mine. Yeah. So like saying, oh, one to oh, six, you know, like we had that, the, that 2004 girls team had to have been extremely solid and gone to state for sure. Um, yep. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. I want to say like maybe Oh two, there was a solid run there too. When Dennis Schaefer was still the coach of the, uh, yeah, still coaching yeah. Uh, women's basketball. Yeah. Obviously we are, we always had a good boys basketball team, boys football team. Uh, like we had some really good wrestlers in there. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 mean, <laughs> I don't remember that, but <laughs> I, cause I was very not connected to that. Right. I, yeah. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Track. I mean, we won track like your freshman year, I think. Yeah, I like am one state track. I am on the wall of champions in Platt <laughs> High uh, because I practiced. So uh, Coach Hurt, for foot for the purposes of football, convinced me to work out with the track team uh, to keep in shape for football. And so <laughs> I was a thrower on the state champion track team. Never went to a single. Never went to a single track meet. And most of the practices were me and Abe and Shane Hurt uh, wrestling <laughs> at the practice football field because the throwers were in a completely different yep. location than the rest of the team. I also uh, practiced but, with the throwers by junior and senior year, and that yeah, yes. was a very lax practice. Yes. So uh, I got in on the team photo. So I am a state track champion. Apologies to Alan Weir if he's listening to this. <laughs> I didn't put a lot of work in Mr. Weir. No. no. <laughs> I'm fine with that too. I I, I think yeah. I gave the proper amount of effort to I my I loved my two years of track. I was like, of all the things that I did in high school, that would be up there. Yeah, I, yeah. I had a lot of fun in track. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we <laughs> getting back on track. We had a real yeah, we had a real solid athletics. People cared. People yeah. weren't obsessive. If anything, people were probably most obsessive about basketball. Yeah, we've had the most success in that over the years, yeah. I think in basketball. So, yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, I can understand, I can relate to it to an extent people weren't, you know, nobody was calling for Frank color to get fired. If, if, <laughs> no. you know, that Oh five boys team didn't win state, but yeah, but people were there and, and passionate about it and cared. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, you know, in the, the social scene of high school, the, the top athletes were, you know, kind of at the top of that, of that absolutely and that that's pretty much ubiquitous with with the high school experience right like that's just Mm -hmm. how it is whether you're in a small town or a large town but yeah we definitely experienced that but i think we were lucky that (laughs) it wasn't so clicky and plat like we crossed friend neither one of us were star athletes by (laughs) any means (laughs) but but we yeah we got along with everybody so yeah so it was important not crazy but we can definitely resonate with with what we're seeing there. They, they, they really hit the role of faith, kind of the cultural faith in, in Dylan, where it's kind of something that everybody does like Riggins, you know, points out the, the crucifix, like the blinged out crucifix that smash has around his neck, but calls him out for, you know, being a jerk. Basically they show them praying uh, with the peewee football team, the Lord's prayer. I don't know why they're praying like in this mentoring session, but they, they are cause it's important for them. And after Jason street goes down and can't move and gets carted off of the, the field, 
here's here's Smash Williams' prayer that I just wanted to to point out. <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's not really about who wins or loses, Father. We just all want to be with Street right now, God. We know that you work in mysterious ways, and we just want to send our spirit, our presence, our love, just to heal him in whatever way, Lord. Whatever might be broke, oh, Lord, just fix it right now, Father. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's this, this leader and sees part of his role as being a leader, as like being the person to pray right there. And and I don't think we should critique people on their their prayers. Uh, that's not what I'm about. But it's it's kind of I think again intentional writing that it's really kind of like vague and weirdly yep. like spiritual in a weird yeah I don't know uh, it's just not very articulate. And there's yeah very there's logically there's solid. not a lot of depth to it. Yeah, yeah yeah it's definitely a prayer that I've I've heard a very a lot of very similar prayers yeah. Uh, over the years so um, yeah and and again i think they did that on purpose just to kind of show like faith is is an important part of the community um but not necessarily for for faith itself more as like a cultural institution within the community yes that is yeah that's just Which what we do in Dylan. we also know a lot about yep we <laughs> sure do, we sure do. Right, so now we're going to move into a few different segments that we're going to try out. I think a few of them will continue to be kind of recurring segments, but we're just going to try them out, see what it feels like. So we've got a few lined up. Let's start with um, what I am tentatively calling the, the Coach Taylor Inspo rating. So how, how inspiring was, was Coach Taylor um, to you this episode? I can start out with... Well, I already kind of mentioned, I didn't think that he was particularly inspiring this episode, um, but uh, kind of at the end of the episode, there's like this voiceover of Coach Taylor talking, and I thought it was, you know, maybe the most inspiring thing that he did, even though I, I have no idea who he was talking to uh, during this voiceover <laughs> or <laughs> what, but uh, it's, it says this. Give all of us gathered here tonight the strength to remember that life is so very fragile. We are all vulnerable. And we will all, at some point in our lives, fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts. That what we have is special. That it can be taken from us. When it is taken from us, we will be tested. We will be tested to our very souls. We will now all be tested. It is these times, it is this pain, that allows us to look inside ourselves. So that was kind of Coach Taylor's response to Jason Street getting paralyzed, which, again, no context for, for I'm assuming he was talking to the, to the team, but we never see that. So that's what I thought was maybe the most inspiring. What did, what did you think of his inspiration levels? Yeah, I agree. We don't really, I mean, we get 
that's maybe just kind of a flash of what we now know is what, you know, coach Taylor really, we, we come to expect more from him. Yes. Eventually. Yep. So I'm going to say like a three out of 10 in this episode. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, that's, that's exactly what I had three out of 10, which is okay. He, we've got a lot of show, a long way to, to grow, a long way to go. And this is literally his, his first week as a high school football coach in Texas. So three out of 10 coach Taylor, don't take it personal. I'm sure you're just as hard on yourself as, as we are on you. So um, keep at it, man. Before too long, you'll be reaching unimaginable new highs. <laughs> State champions. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> All right. That's the Coach Taylor inspirating of the week. We give Coach Taylor a three out of 10. Uh, moving on, the Julie Taylor hatometer. Do you want to go hatometer or hateometer? Ooh, uh, I, I think hateometer. <laughs> I like that. It, it, it really, uh, yeah, really brings out the hate. You know, you yeah. really, yeah, get the uh, the feel for the word hate in there. So I have some strong thoughts on this, but I'm going to let you uh, mm-hmm. take the lead on this. How are you feeling about uh, how much are you hating Julie in mm-hmm. episode one? And much like the Coach Taylor inspo rating, I come to expect so much worse from Julie. So. I think even though she's a little bit annoying, um, it's completely forgivable. If I were to be watching one, so for one, I know she gets so much worse. And for two, <laughs> if we're going just from a first impression, yeah. Um, and you, if if I were watching this for the first time and I, and somebody was like, "How much do you hate Julie Taylor?" I'd be like, "Ah, not really that much." I, yeah, I she's really kind of she's kind of it's almost sassy in a, in yeah. almost a likable way if you don't know her. Yep. So for this one, I'm going to two out of ten. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot lower. Okay, here are my thoughts. First of all, um, yeah that that scene the the first scene we get with Julie in the diner, she is just destroying. Matt and Landry, like setting them up like, Oh, so you're a football player. Oh yeah. You're a football player. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't hang out with football players go away, you know? Um, so that that's almost likable, but it's still, it's pretty, yeah, not a fan of it. So there's that. But then I want to point out, you mentioned her Moby Dick, uh, monologue comparing the town of Dylan to Moby Dick. And I just want to point out this one line. You might know where I'm going with this she is comparing all these different like aspects of Moby Dick to Dylan and coach Taylor's captain Ahab and the white whale is a state championship and all this. But then, then she says, smash Williams, the hulking African Zulu harpoon oh, yeah. whale killer. Yeah. Julie, <laughs> I don't think you can say that. Yeah. So That's... right off the bat, uh, Problematic. My first impression of Julius, yeah, kind of problematic, a little bit racist. So, um, you you convinced me. You kind of you kind of talked me down a little bit. I was gonna go like a, a seven, but then yeah, you make a good point. Like she's got a long ways. To, she gets pretty hateable. So if you are a two, I'd say I'm about a five. Okay. So let's settle on a three. Can we say three? Yep. Absolutely. I'm completely okay with that. So that's three for both coach Taylor inspo rating and the Julie Taylor hate ometer hate meter (laughs) I'm going to make a note of that. The big rig beer tally. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, how many beers 
And I think we'll just keep a running tally throughout the season. I like that. Yeah. Um, we opened Riggs' very first scene. Uh, there are seven empty beers on the coffee table. Uh, we don't know for sure if he's the one who consumed all of them because tires there, but I say we just go with it and, and say that Tim, Tim consumed all those beers. Uh, seven were on the table when he passed out and then he is drinking one when he is, uh, hanging out in the, at kind of the party with, uh, street and, Lila, I thought he was double fisting because he had a can in one hand and a beer and a bottle of beer in the other, but I, I paused and checked it out and it was a limeade in the, oh. the one hand. So I thought it was nine, but the big rig beer tally for episode one, we are at eight beers eight consumed beers. by Tim Riggins so far. All right. Quote of the episode. Uh, I have several submissions for this. I say, do you have a few in the, the hopper? Or do you just kind of have the one that you're choosing? I have got three, only one serious one. <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds good. Let's, uh, let's, let's go back and forth. Okay. Um, so you give me one, I'll give you one of mine and, uh, yeah, we'll probably double up for sure. The first one is the Smash Williams unimaginable new highest state champion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I have the I have the the full quote now. Um, I found my notes. Taking these high expectations to unimaginable new heights, <laughs> state champions. <laughs> yeah, fantastic, uh, really good. Um, uh, my my first submission for quote of the episode <laughs> it comes from Mayor Rodell at the the pep rally at Buddy Garrity's new auto dealership. Um, she is she's got Jason Street cornered. She's telling him, you know, you got to air that thing out. You got to, you got to be throwing carpet bomb, uh, all this. And she ends with, uh, kind of, he's walking away and she kind of pulls him back and she's like, you like early black Sabbath? It'll make you mean. <laughs> well. I thought that was good. That was yeah, unexpected from a uh, 60 year old woman, Mayor Rodell. And just for the record, because I don't think. As as much as we've talked about that Smash Williams quote, I don't think he's going to win this one, but I just want to say don't worry, Smash, because you've got a guaranteed quote of the episode <laughs> in this season. Josh knows exactly what I already know what's coming. I, already, uh, I, I was trying to work it into the title, figuring out how we could work that into the title of this podcast. <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> but uh, my next one down is a great... It's actually a, an exchange <laughs> where... Uh, Something happens on the field. I don't remember exactly what it is, but Coach Taylor yells at the ref and he goes, Hey, ref, that was horse crud. And the ref turns to him and goes, Watch it, coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I noted that too. <laughs> That's horse crud. Watch it, coach. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's, that's a great exchange. Um, I also want to give this isn't my submission, but I do want to give a shout out to Smash Williams as well uh, for his weird freestyle that he's doing yes. at the rally. Oh, man, and he yes. says, he says, this was my favorite, my favorite rhyme. Panthers are going to get diabolical. Like Tom Cruise is Scientological. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even, it's not a freestyle. He's just like saying rhyming phrases. <laughs> one by like, one. That was a like Borda like Adam Sandler Hanukkah song level. Absolutely, like, yeah, yeah. He throws out the diabolical and like, where's he going with this? And then he pulls out Scientological. Okay, but that's not my submission. But yeah, way to go, Smash. Uh, 
Well, my last submission is my choice for a quote of the episode, which is, of course, I'm thinking about starting a speed metal band, you in, <laughs> or Christian speed metal band, you in, from Reggie Clark. Yeah, excellent. Um, I, yeah, I actually have two more. So, I mean, you, you got to throw this one in there. Well, okay, let me start with the other one. Uh, Tim Riggins. Let's touch God this time, boys. Of course. Let's touch yes. God. Gotta have it. Uh, like I like I said on our, our intro episode, it's gonna be my new call to worship for opening chapel next year, first chapel of the year. Uh let's touch God this time, boys. Raiders, let's touch God this time. <laughs> uh so that there's that. But then I mean you gotta have you gotta have here's to God, football, and ten years from now, street, good friends living large in Texas. Texas forever street, Texas forever. You got to throw that in there. That's a great one. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think? What do you, what are we landing on here? My choice is, is for the Landry Christian spirit metal band. Yep. Uh, but man, I don't know that, that let's touch God this time. Boys is a really good one. <laughs> uh yeah, they're both great. I'm I'm good with going with going uh, crucifixorious though, going speed metal because right. that's gonna that's gonna be a recurring uh, <laughs> great part of who of Landry's character. So yes, let's let's put that in there. Yeah. So the Buddy Garrity sleazeball move of the week. Uh, Buddy Garrity is everybody's favorite complete sleaze uh, in the town of Dillon. Um, very little is is shown of of his sleazy ways in this pilot episode. Um, so my choice for Buddy Garrity's sleazeball of the week is just in general being a used car dealer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, mine 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 builds off of that. I I thought that the sleazeball move was um, somehow using his position as the as a member of the athletic boosters which we find out later but somehow making his used car dealership grand opening into a high school football pep rally and making it a community event and so somehow co-opting that the football team to promote his his car dealership so i think pretty related yes yeah yeah we will we will have lots, lots more uh, sleaze, sleaze ball moves of the week. It's going to be a much more difficult choice to make by midseason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right, moving on. Outdated pop culture reference of the week. I, I definitely have a submission for that that I, I mentioned on the interrupt. So Yes, um, I've got two. So why don't you go with yours? Because that's also one of mine. Yeah, so as, as Smash is kind of... Uh, talking up uh his dual sponsorship with adidas and nike and this uh just his big (laughs) aspirations that he has he mentions that he is going to go i believe break up the marriage of paris hilton (laughs) and and get with her so uh my outdated pop culture reference of the week is paris hilton as like a sex symbol desirable woman (laughs) like that's the best possible uh, woman that, that Smash could think of yeah. to pursue. That was also one of mine, and I think that one might make it, but I did catch uh, at the beginning of the episode that made me laugh um, is when we're first introduced to the Riggins brothers, and um, Tim is 
yeah, just pat he's he's hung over and he he passed out on the couch. And Tyra comes out and she's straddling him and all this. And Regan's brother goes, This is real life, Tim. It's not Maxim magazine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That is an outdated yeah, reference. Huge in two thousand six or whenever this came out. That was yes. yeah. <laughs> this is not Maxim magazine. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm going to vote that we go with Maxim magazine for that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But, and to wrap things up, music cue of the week, Uh, soundtrack, very, very solid part of this show all around. I mean, you have the obvious explosions in the sky, but, but yeah, lots of good music. So what did you have? I didn't have a specific music cue of the week. I just kind of made a note of some songs that were playing, but yeah. yeah, what did you have? Mine was was Deborah by Beck as Landry and, and Saracen first approached Julie. Not only because I absolutely love that song, um, it's great, but also because it fit that um, particular instance very well. Yeah. Um, that song, for those of you who don't know, is it's literally like if Idiot Boyfriend by Jimmy Fallon were played more, a little bit more straight, <laughs> yeah. it's basically like, a, from the point of view of a guy who's trying to pick up a girl who's got just like, the most ridiculous pickup lines um, it's literally like Beck trying to do a Prince song <laughs> Yeah. well, when I was trying to figure out like what is this song, I know this, I thought like is this Prince? No, this isn't Prince but boy, this seems like, no, it's not Prince yeah, there's like, there's a line in it where he's like Baby, step into my Hyundai. <laughs> like, that's like what for real. <laughs> yes, that is a lot of that song. You got it, dude. You got to listen to that song. It's great. I'll, I'll cut in a little sample of the audio. <laughs> um, so that was my cue of the of the week. I I thought that was very good, a very good choice overall, and especially for that particular scene. Yeah. Um, I I just. Uh, yeah, like I said, made a list of different songs that played. So Black Betty was over the the training montage, the the practice uh, montage, uh, which is you know solid. I guess it was good. You got to Yeehaw was was in there. You got to get the country music. We're in Texas. Mm. You got a Yeehaw, uh, Louie Louie, a classic. Oh, yeah. Louie Louie was in there. And then some generic, I don't know, it kind of sounded like P.O.D., but some generic new metal uh, in there during, I believe it was during one of the football scenes, um, you know, kind of that hard hitting early 2000s generic macho rock. Yes. So that's what we had for, for music this episode. So do we have anything else we need to cover? We've we've gone a long time here. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Anything else we wanted to point out? Um, I guess we could talk about that for a second, uh, about how, um, like every other high school show of its era and really of all eras, the people playing high schoolers are clearly much older. Like the fact that Tim Riggins is a sophomore, (laughs) (laughs) is ridiculous also like and don't get me wrong like we talked earlier about how like in the small town like you know everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody's like more or less friends with everybody Mm -hmm. but the fact that tim riggins a sophomore and jason street a senior are like best friends is kind of yeah that doesn't happen in high school very often like the people two years older than you like are scary and (laughs) Like yeah. completely in a different a different stratosphere 
then yeah yeah so i never thought about that but that's a good observation yeah um but yeah like i know i don't remember how old riggins was when the show started but i know like lila was t- like 27 oh really i think julie taylor is the only one who was like actually 18 <laughs> or younger yeah taylor kitsch was born in 1981 so he was like 24 25 yeah i'm i'm very willing to suspend dis or yeah to suspend disbelief uh on these characters for all that though <laughs> yes oh absolutely we need taylor kitsch uh, we do we absolutely episodes. do yeah i think we've uh i think we've covered it episode one the pilot episode there it is uh yeah thanks for for listening along with us we are figuring this out as we go but but uh i think we covered some good ground and hopefully uh, by the time that you hear this there will be a title <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and just patch in every time we mention there's not a title. <laughs> just do a little voiceover. But yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> we'll get know? there. We'll get there. Yeah. So, uh, and if if there is not a title by the time you hear this, uh, feel free to, to uh, make <laughs> some suggestions because we're desperate by now. If we are, yeah. We don't have a title. So I don't know how you found this uh, if there is no title um, yet when you <laughs> Probably you know us. Yeah. <laughs> you know one of we us. We sent you the file directly. <laughs> but uh yeah, man. It, it's it's been good. It's been yeah, fun. Looking forward fun. to many more many more episodes. So yes. uh yeah, we'll we'll hit up episode two or more uh next time. But I'm I'm looking yes. forward to it. Thanks for thanks for chatting Friday yeah. Night Lights with me. I had a lot of fun. It was a good time. All right. Let's touch God this time, boys. Let's touch God.